Hello folks, welcome back to Peeling Back the Mask. I'm your host Jason Davis. So it's been seven months, I guess, since since my last podcast. If any of you listen to or uh, follow me on Instagram, you'll know what's been going on. But if not, I'll give you a brief update. Um, It started off that um, I was sleeping but I wasn't resting. I guess when I fall asleep I end up I guess becoming dead weight. It's just like my body I don't know turns into a 300 pound gorilla um, and I was sinking so far into the into the mattress that I was um, sleeping on the um, on the springs, and of course making it very uncomfortable for me. So I was sleeping, but I wasn't resting, and um, I was waking up so tired that I was dizzy. Uh, it got to the point where I was almost passing out and didn't matter how much I slept, didn't matter if I was taking medication to help me to sleep, it was the same and so it took me a while. I, I um, went for blood tests and all that to see if it was anything medical uh, but then you know realized that my on my side of the bed there was this massive indent in the mattress and so I'd lay down and and you know even though I wasn't I hadn't laid down all day there was still that indent in my bed so that was kind of the um the giveaway on that so it finally made sense after a couple months of going through that and uh so we, we changed positions on the bed and I was actually able to start sleeping uh, or start resting actually and um, as well my um, nocturnal seizures were starting to get worse so I had to up my medication um, the problem with nocturnal seizures apart from you know having the seizures is it increases my risk of death in my sleep by a significant amount I can't remember off the top of my head the percentage but um, so yeah as much as I don't like to be on medications that one is a necessity so I had to up my medication and um, it's you know over this last seven months it's been uh getting harder and harder for me to just focus on anything really um my it's not the you know my attention span it's the uh amount of energy that I have to put into something and 
so you know doing the uh, the editing the recording uh, putting this up on YouTube you know all that I just I, I it's to the point I can't do it um, and it's become a real problem because I I said I'm, I'm really unable to kind of focus on anything and um, it's it's made it hard for me to you know first do the things that I, I was doing before that I enjoyed and secondly um, just really enjoying anything I'm in this constant state of just tired and worn out and um, not being able to get back to you know where I'm feeling good I can't even remember the last time I woke up and felt you know like I had some energy like I actually relaxed and and, and got some some rest um, I wake up and I'm, I'm just as tired if not more tired than I was when I went to sleep um, some of it may have to do with uh, my PTSD because uh, as well I, I, a lot of really I wouldn't say disturbing dreams like, like the night terrors but they're just they're Mm, they're to the point where, you know, I wake up and I'm like, was that a dream or was I remembering something or what was going on? And the worst part about it is that when I wake up, I just, I can't remember exactly what the dream was. Sometimes I'll get little bits and pieces of it, but not enough to actually go, oh, that's what my dream was about. Um... So I'm just, you know, my my energy levels, my ability to concentrate, my uh, enthusiasm, uh, all of that is just down the toilet. So um, it's been a struggle to to do the things that I, I was doing and to keep up. And I think from, from here on out, my, my podcast for the most part is just going to be, uh, unedited, uh, recorded on the app and, and uploaded that way. Because, um, if I have to go through, you know, the recording and all the editing and everything, and then uploading it, I, it's simply, not going to happen because it's just it's too taxing on me um and i'm kind of at a loss uh as to how to fix this one of the things i i kind of figured out and i don't know if any of you listening if i still have any listeners after a seven month absence um that are autistic parents um, can relate to this or, or confirm it at least because right now it's just, you know, I'm kind of, I think that's what it is, is that, you know, when you're autistic and you're a parent, 
and you need downtime, you can't get it. Or it's very limited or very far and few between. And, um, you know, my daughter's coming up on four years old. She is just, she talks constantly from the second she wakes up till when she goes to bed. It's very rare that she's actually, you know, sitting in quiet. Um, she's always asking for something and then she decides she wants something else. And it's just like... Uh, going out, you know, following her and, and all day and, you know, cleaning up her messes and, and, uh, you know, it's gotten to the point where I don't want to fight with her at all. So if I tell her not to do something and she starts to give me attitude, I'm like, okay, fine. If you do it, then, you know, you reap the consequences or, you know, she pulls out her toys and she wants to play with her toys. Okay, but you clean up your toys afterwards and she'll say, no, you do it. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I simply don't have the energy or the will to, to fight on this. So I, I won't clean it up. I'll tell her, no, you have to clean it up or mommy's going to end up throwing them in the garbage. Which has always been kind of our, our phrase to get her to clean things up but it's at the point now where she's like whatever they're not going to throw in the garbage right she's getting really smart and um you know she's destructive as well she's uh, i don't know i hope this is a phase um even just this morning she said she wanted to draw was, okay so i got her paper and a pen and she drove for about two minutes and then she grabbed the pen and she broke it. Like, why Why would you do that? Right? Like, it just escapes any kind of logic or reason. And um, my, it's like, uh, you know, I, I'm constantly burnt out just from being a parent. And... You know, I love my daughter to death. I, I couldn't imagine my life without her, but, you know, I need time for me. And, you know, as I've said before, in our household, the roles are reversed. My wife is the one that works. You know, she's a doctor, so, you know, she makes a lot more than I could uh, make and before we had children but even before we got married she always said that she's not going to give up her career that she worked so hard to get to become a housewife and I was like okay that's fine I'm cool with that I understand that and uh, you know when I had the cyst in my brain uh, just before my my daughter was born when it was when I got diagnosed you know we talked um, I had to quit working because I simply couldn't function I couldn't even make proper sentences because I was in so much pain all the time and so we agreed that um, that I would look after our daughter and uh, you know I looked after my wife after the the birth as well i was up with my daughter till six o'clock in the morning she had problems processing uh milk and uh it was just it was 
really a tough time for all three of us, but I did the best I could to look after them both till my wife recovered and could go back to work. And, um, you know, I've been looking after our daughter ever since. And, um, but my wife is kind of in this, this, uh, what I would call a typical mindset for the average Mexican male, which is they believe that going to work, you know, working is enough. And that the wife, uh, the home, uh, what do you call it? The homemaker is the one that, you know, looks after the kids, does all the meals, does all the cleaning, etc. Um, so that role falls onto me. So, and my wife, uh, a couple months ago also said something to me. She said, um, you know, I want to have kids, but I never wanted to raise them. And I was like, well, what kind of sense does that make? And it was like saying, well, you know, I want to have a kid, but I want someone else to raise it. And, and that's not, to me, that's not having a child. That's, you know, you might as well give it up for adoption then at that point, because it's just like, you know, part of having a child is raising that child and, you know, having the opportunity to watch them grow and educate them in the whole nine yards, watch them learn and everything. That's part of the responsibility of having children. It isn't just, you know, you push out a kid and, and then you give it to someone else to raise and you only spend time with the child when it's convenient or when you feel like it, like that, that just blew my mind when she said that. So, but it also made sense in the fact that, you know, my wife wakes up late and she never wants me to say this to anybody because it makes her sound lazy. And yeah, I would say it is, there is a lot of laziness in there because, uh, she only works here, here in the, the medical system. Doctors generally work only six hours a day, right? So her hours are from 2 PM till 8 PM. She gets home around 8:30 because she sticks around and gossips with the, the girls. Um, and so she comes home, I have dinner ready. Usually, uh, I've already showered and, and, and showered my daughter and, uh, or bathed my daughter and all dressed and everything. So she comes home, we eat, she has a shower. Then she wants to just lay in bed with her cell phone. And, you know, she falls asleep around 12 o'clock and she wakes up around 12 o'clock the next day. So I wake up at eight o'clock. I have my coffee, my smoke, I wake up my daughter, get her ready for school, take her to school, come back home, I get a couple hours of, of quiet, um, and then I go back for my daughter, pick her up after, uh, yeah, after school, um, and my wife will make breakfast, but you know, it's a, it's a real source of tension is that my wife will wake up and rather than saying, you know, good morning or 
or anything, she'll just start in on me like, uh, have you cleaned up the dog's poop? Have you, you know, put in a load of laundry? Uh, you know, like just start on things that, you know, need to be done. And I'm like, you know, how about a good morning? Right. So she starts off with this, this negativity and, um, it's, I've been trying hard to get her to kind of change her mindset or her way of, 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 um, of, um, acting, right? Like just thinking rather than, than waking up and all of a sudden it's like, you know, you haven't done this, like looking around the house and seeing what hasn't been done. Right. And then all of a sudden jumping on me, like right as soon as she gets out of bed, I'm like that. All it does is make me not want to be around her, you know, and on the weekends, it's very rare that, uh, we actually just relax at home. It's usually, you know, Oh, let's go do this, do that. We got to do this and that and the other thing. And she's got everything planned out. And, you know, it's exhausting, to say the least. Exhausting would be a, a, an understatement. Not only because of the fact that I haven't gotten decent rest in... God knows how long, well, seven months so far and more. Um, also, you know, the going out, dealing with the people, the noise, traffic, you know, everything. And, and as well as our, our, with our daughter, um, you know, when we go shopping, she wants to go in the, the seat in the, in the shopping cart. Okay, cool. Very good. Um, because I'm always very watchful and, and making sure that, you know, nobody gets too close to her because it's uh, quite a common thing here that, that people will try and steal children from supermarkets and, and stores and things like that. Um, so I'm always very conscious of where she is and what's going on around us. Um, but then all of a sudden she's like, well, I want down, I want to walk. Like, no, you have to stay in there. No, then I want to go with mommy. And then, she, you know, she starts causing a scene in the store. And I'm like, whatever. You know, it's just. So. You know, it. it I understand I'm in constant burnout. And I have had more than a series of, uh, or more than a couple of meltdowns over the last number of months and um, you know there are a lot of articles about you know and posts uh, about um, uh, autistic and uh, non-autistic relationships and the, the issues and the problems. One of the biggest problems that I have with my wife, and I don't 
think it's ever really going to be resolved. That, if it does, that would be great. But I've tried talking to her and she just shuts me down on it. Is that, you know, uh, I need her support. I need some help. I need support. Because I can't do everything and look after myself as well. Like, I need some help on this. And she's just like, well, that's your job. Right. So, um, yeah. Uh, and we're also, uh, well, we went to Acapulco for three weeks vacation. And out of those three weeks, my wife left me alone in uh, staying at her sister's house, which is, it's a house they, they, they built, but they don't live there. And so I was there all by myself and my wife was spent like two weeks with her family. And, um, you know, that was the other kind of like an abandonment thing. Like, okay, it was kind of cool that I had some, some time to myself, but in a house, there's, you know, no internet, no television, none of that. Um, and so I was basically just there. Um, I don't know anyone in the area other than my wife's family. So, and I, I don't like, you know, going to the beach alone. I just, I, I don't see the point. I don't enjoy it. Um, so, it, you know, there is that, uh, I, like I said, I did relax. I did enjoy having some time to myself, but there was a point where I was like, you know, what was the point of bringing me along? I was just the driver then, you know, so to take her down there and back and forth. And so it was, uh, you know, kind of a bittersweet type of thing. And, uh, but we uh, we talked about it, and um, we decided that we're we're going to move down to Acapulco from San Luis Potosí, um, mainly because her family is all there. Right here, we have absolutely nobody. Well, I can't say absolutely nobody, but very few people that we can count on if we you know need any kind of help somebody look after Sophie, for example, if I have a dentist appointment or something during the week, um, there's nobody to look after my daughter and there is all her family. <clears throat> and as well, my daughter, uh, we, uh, took her down there to pass her vacation or summer vacation with, uh, with her aunts and uncles and cousins and all that. And she was there for almost three months and it was nice. You know, again, I, I got some, some rest on that as well. Um, but you know, here our daughter really has nobody to play with. Uh, people are really kind of closed in. 
and they don't it's really hard to kind of make friends here and uh, but there you know she's got all her her cousins close by and everything and she loves going to the beach so there's beaches close by and everything so um, my wife is able to put in for a change of location to Acapulco so she did that and you know we've got the house there and everything so we're hoping that as well is gonna kind of give us a little bit more of a relaxed lifestyle um, outside of the city um, so we'll be living about an hour outside of Acapulco things are cheaper you know beaches and other places uh, are close by and you know i understand that at the beginning it's kind of like you know woohoo cool and then later on it's like eh, you know you kind of get used to it but like i said there are a lot of advantages to being down there it's more of a tropical area uh things like fruit for example is super cheap grows everywhere uh papaya mango tons of different fruits down there that are, are really cheap and uh, with the cost of inflation here, um, you know, it's getting to the point where we can't afford to, to buy uh, too much meat because it's almost triple the price it was in, what, March, April? And vegetables as well, tomatoes, onions, coffee, like everything's just gone way up. And... Uh, down there it's it's cost of life is a lot cheaper so um so there's that change coming and i you know i think uh, i'll be able to deal with it well kind of like i've I've had the time to assimilate it it's not a, a a sudden change we've talked about it times before and before i didn't want to go down there because it, it will the violence, the, the cartel violence was out of this world. Like the the night of our wedding, uh, what, February 17th, what, four years ago? I can't even remember the year right now. I'm so tired. Um, but anyway, the night of our wedding on the other side of the street was a nightclub and uh, a couple people were murdered there. And, guys just walked in and just started opening fire you know that kind of stuff and it was just it was really crazy so i told my wife no there's no way i want to move down there but now with our daughter you know i have to look at things a little differently um and think of of her and what's good for her and of course you know being able to spend time with her cousins uh, playing and things like that are, are beneficial for her uh, in terms of her her mental and emotional growth as well as her her physical well-being you know she can go out and play and things like that and uh, so um, yeah so that's all going on and uh, we're planning on that we're just waiting we don't know when my wife's uh change is gonna come it's uh 
just whenever a space opens, whenever a, a hospital in the area needs another doctor, they go through the wait list and we don't know where she is on the wait list. We don't know how long. So it'll be like, they're just gonna call her up one day and say, Hey, your change came time to go. And she can't say no. She can't say, Oh, well, I'm not ready yet or anything. She has to do it. It's, uh, there, there's not an option. And, um, so she's probably going to be spending some time down there, uh, by herself while I kind of look after, you know, packing up everything here and moving it down there. Um, as well as looking after a daughter and the whole nine yards, right? So that's, um, I'm a little nervous about that, uh, getting it all done, you know, canceling all the, you know, internet and everything like that. And, and, and uh, you know, just doing the, the whole nine yards that has to be done when, when we move. And, um, it's just really been, uh, a trying time and, you know, this is also the podcast is kind of an, uh, um, a release valve for me because first as a male, really we're kind of expected to just deal with it. And, um, oh my God, my cat just farted. Oh, maybe that's disgusting. Wow. Oh, wow. I don't know what my cat ate, but my God. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, and I, I don't, the friends that, that I have are also my wife's friends, right? I've met them through my wife and, uh, you know, most of them are female. So they're, I don't have any kind of outlet. I don't have anyone to talk with. Um, and on, on the other side as well, you know, I don't have anyone to, to really, that's accessible to talk with about my autistic needs. And, um, you know, so it's kind of a, a double-edged sword there. And, um, I, I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know how to, to kind of get everything out and talk and, and just, you know, get some feedback or something. And, you know, again, that's one of the other things about doing this podcast that's kind of frustrating is, you know, I don't get any feedback. Um, I don't know if, you, the listener, likes what you're you're hearing, uh, doesn't like, you know, things that you wanna wanna hear about. Um, 
you know, like a, a, no direction and then no, you know, feedback on, hey, that was a good episode or something like that to to kind of let me know that, that people are enjoying what I'm doing. So as well, that puts in doubt, should I keep doing this podcast or, you know, is it helping anyone? Is it, you know, is anything that I'm saying kind of vibrating or, or, or uh, is anyone able to relate with what I'm saying? Is it helpful? Um, so yeah, there's all that. And it's just, you know, my head, I just really wish I could turn it off for a while, just turn my mind off and, and, uh, just be at zero. Um, I can't even focus enough to meditate, which sounds funny because you meditate generally not to focus, but you do have to exert focus in order to be able to successfully meditate. Um, and so, you know, I've just, I've got so much stuff going on in my head and, you know, just so much stuff that I want to do, but I just, I don't have the energy to be able to do it. Um, and sometimes I'll do things just out of pure willpower. I'll be like, you know, regardless of how I feel, I'm going to do this. I, I need to, to do this. And, um, you know, I pay for it later. I, I'm completely exhausted. Uh, zero patience. I just, I, I go to an almost uh, non verbal state where I don't want to talk. I, I just want to be left alone. I really wish there was a place here with isolation chambers. I would really, I've really wanted to try an isolation chamber for such a long time because I think that is probably one of the few ways where I could truly relax, truly rest and just, you know, come out of there feeling good, like, you know, energized. Um, you know, that's, who knows if that's the reality of them or not, if that, that would actually happen, but that, that's kind of the idea I have in my head. Um, as well, you know, I, I got my my degree in psychology. I'm starting to get some patience, so um, I've got that, um, which I do enjoy uh, because I feel that with my life experience, everything that I've gone through, uh, being a psychologist allows me to use the insights that I've gained with all that <clears throat> um, experience, good and bad, to help my patients. <clears throat> and um, so, and that almost is in itself a form of, of therapy for me. I find that, you know, that I for that 
you know, hour session that I'm with my patient, I'm focused on my patient and I'm not thinking about, you know, the million and one things that are going on in my head and, you know, um, the only downside to that is that, you know, afterwards I've got to sit and analyze everything. I've got to go through the notes, well, my audio notes and, um, you know, requires an extra charge of, of, uh, mental energy to deal with that. And, you know, there are times where, where I've had some patients where, you know, my heart goes out to them because they're in a difficult situation. And so as well, I, you know, apart from everything that I'm going through and thinking of and everything, I've got, you know, I'm thinking of them as well and how I can help them, what their needs are and identifying strategies and things like that. And um, so it's, you know, on the one hand, it does kind of help me to, to give my brain a rest on everything. But then afterwards, it adds a bit of an extra charge until I can kind of process it and go, okay, it's this, this, this. Get things straight in my head and then I can kind of be, okay, well, that's for next session. And, um, you know, as well, um, being a, a man, it's very difficult to um, to accept that I'm not the breadwinner, you know, and especially when, you know, I used to work, you know, two, three, even four jobs to, you know, not only make ends meet, but to save money because, you know, I want to buy one thing, a car, whatever. And, um, so I would work and work and work and I always had money and I never had to worry. And, you know, now, you know, I can't say I have a lot of patients. Uh, I have a few actually at the moment I have, uh, I have two, one that comes in frequently and the other one that just started. So, um, and I don't charge a lot. Um, one of my goals for getting my psychology degree was to be able to uh, give affordable uh, therapy to people because, you know, I'm not in it for the money. You know, the money is nice and I can't deny though, you know, when I, I get a patient and they, they, I start getting a bit of income, it feels good, right? Of course. But I studied to become a psychologist because one, because, you know, being autistic, my life has been a study of humans. <laughs> you know, people, 
And so, you know, I kind of figured, always figured I had that as a, uh, you know, as a strong point for being a psychologist. And as well, because when I was, you know, going through the whole system uh, with uh, child services and the whole nine yards and seeing the the uh, psychologists and how a lot of them never really even listened. Uh, a lot of them really lacked empathy, empathy and compassion. Um, and the biggest thing, and anyone who's autistic or has has had any need to see a therapist knows is that they charge a lot and you know given the way things are today therapy is going to be at the very bottom of the list when you know it's getting harder and harder to be able to put food on the table so um i had the uh the whole the the point of getting my degree was to be able to uh, provide affordable uh, mental health services for those that that need it, and um, you know I charge three hundred and fifty pesos, which is uh, what would that be around. I think around 15, I don't know, 15, $20 uh, an hour, where is uh, the vast majority charge at minimum $50 an hour and up. And so, um, in that sense, you know, I feel uh, a sense of um, hmm, not really accomplishment, but I, I I feel like I'm I'm helping not only in the sense of, of the being a mental health provider, but also in the sense of being a setting kind of a standard for. Um, for accessible mental health, uh, and I really wish more more people would do it. The, the thing is, is that what they charge is to try and make up for the lack of patients that they have. Right here in Mexico, mental health isn't a priority in general. Um, mental health here is going out and getting drunk and partying on the weekend or with your friends and if you say you're depressed your friends will tell you you know get over it here have a drink uh let's go out to a strip club or whatever it's it you know really no help whatsoever um and as well of course there's that stigma you know the stigma that if you're depressed, then, oh, you know, somehow you're contagious or, oh, I don't want to be around that person because they're a bummer, right? And um, 
so people learn to just hide it or don't say anything. And since the pandemic started, suicides have uh, just shot up, and understandably so, you know. Uh, there are a lot of poor families here in Mexico, a lot. And, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs when the pandemic started. All of a sudden, they weren't able to provide for their families, and they felt like failures, and, you know, it just... It ended up in in a an extreme spike of the number of suicides, and now we have inflation going through the roof as well. People are going back to work here in Mexico. They've pretty much declared the pandemic over. Um, so you know people are starting to get back to work, but now with the inflation, again those that are making minimum wage. Uh, are really finding it extremely hard to you know pay the bills and put food on the table and so you know mental health is important in these times more than any because of the extreme pressure that is felt um, you know by the parents or in a lot of cases the men but again as I said men are taught to stuff it down keep going deal with it you know whereas the women are the ones who and so far I have exclusively had female patients I haven't had a, a male patient yet which is unfortunate Um, and I, I, <laughs> I find it quite kind of, I don't know, interesting, frustrating at the same time is that I am a psychologist, but I am having a really hard time, um, keeping myself straight, you know, when it comes to emotions and, you know, dealing with things and kind of going through the logic of, uh, what to do, when to do, how to do it, dealing with consequences, kind of long view type of things, as well as short view, um, that I can do. The, the problem that I'm having is figuring out how I can kind of get back to zero, at least because I'm in the negative and I keep running in the negative and um, I don't have a way yet to get out of that. So again, I, I have to deal with it, I have to suck it up and I have to do what I have to do to keep going. Um, Uh, um, I wanted to mention as well, uh, my friend Carol Jean Whittington, well, if you're listening, Carol Jean, I'm sorry I haven't contacted you. I, hopefully soon I can get that in, but I know you're a busy lady. Um, Carol Jean has published a book called uh, How Spicy Is Your 
what is it how spicy is your meltdown and it goes through the various types of meltdowns and leave she also talks about strategies on it as well um, so if you um, if you want uh, a piece of literature that can help you identify your meltdowns and how to deal with them um, written by someone who is autistic then uh, you can look up Carol Jean Whittington on Facebook and you will find her her book there it's on pre-order right now so um, you know these uh, these resources for us are, are great and Carol Jean's been doing wonderful with us she's always been an advocate for uh, autistics helping autistics and she's one of the reasons why I decided to start a podcast um, somewhat unsuccessfully but you know we'll see how things go um, and um, I think that the resources that we have for autistics by autistics are very limited so the ones that do actually come up are valuable and uh, we should recognize them we should support them um, simply because they're doing work that you know nobody else will do and those that are doing it aren't autistic and we all know how that turns out um, you know I'm getting uh, I refuse to call autism ASD because it's not a disorder I refuse to say neurodivergent because neurodivergent is anyone and everyone that is uh, neurologically different than the majority and that can include strokes that can include you know down syndrome whatever else you want to put in there uh, anyone else that's different than the neurological norm and I think that we need to separate ourselves distinguish ourselves as separate to be able to clear up all the misconceptions about it to um, distinguish ourselves as a community as a, a, a large part well not necessarily a large part but you know a part of the world community that is um, misunderstood misrepresented and utilized at times simply to you know make those that are saying they're advocates look good and reap uh, the economical benefits of doing so um, and in the end really not helping us at all um, for example autism awareness 
I think I've said this before, I don't believe in autism awareness. Everyone's aware that autism exists. What we need is autism uh, education and understanding, meaning we, the, we need to propagate educating uh, you know, the non-autistic community what autism is, what it isn't, how it affects us, etc., etc., is to educate and further the understanding of what autism is, because only that way can we gain support for making changes in society that can help us and make places more inclusive for us. You know, we all know the the amount of problems what we have with uh, you know um, sensory overloads, you know, light, sound, smell, the whole nine yards. And in a time where you know everything is you know supposed inclusivity, um, we are left out because we aren't you know the fad at the moment. And, um, you know, you go into a place, I, a while ago, I came across a post in, on Facebook where they, a couple went into a restaurant and the waitress come up and said, hi, we're an inclusive restaurant. Um, uh, you know, being on the bandwagon, so to speak. And so the father says, well, do you have a menu in Braille? No, we don't have a menu in Braille. Um, do you have an area uh, for uh, those with sensory uh, processing issues? No, we don't have that. Right, so that when they, they talk about inclusivity, it's only inclusive according to, you know, what the fad is at the time, what the big thing is at the time. And they leave out a, a large chunk of society that needs, uh, you know, mm, I guess you can say special considerations, you know, like menus in Braille, for example. Quiet areas, areas with lower lighting, things like that, um, so that, you know, we can go out and enjoy places as well. But um, anyway, that is uh, apparently there's a 60 minute time limit when recording directly from the app, so we've got five minutes left. I'm going to wrap this up. I just wanted to get on and um, post something for you guys, let you guys know what's up. Um, so I'll be doing more of these, just kind of direct podcasts, because um, as I said, doing all the editing and everything, the videos, the whole nine yards, I just, I can't do it. I don't have the mental energy to be able to do that anymore. So, um, 
I hope to keep doing the podcast. It might be a little sporadic, um, but I think doing it this way may be um, better in terms of being able to uh, keep posting stuff. And um, yeah, like I said, I always appreciate any kind of feedback. You can reach me on Instagram at peeling underscore back underscore the underscore mask. Uh, feel free to follow me on there. Send me a message. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. Any suggestions, you know, for future podcasts. Um, I do have one coming that I've had planned for a while on um, communication, how to start a conversation, keep a conversation and such. Um, but that will, I have to kind of make some notes, get my head straight, and uh, that will be one coming in the near future. So that is it for me today. That's Peeling Back the Mask. And again, I'm your host, Jason Davis. Take care, and till next time.